and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow us on Twitter at HEFPod. Facebook.com slash HEFPod is where you can find all the latest news and information on Eintracht Frankfurt exclusively in the English language, all in one convenient spot. And, uh, of course, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, email us as Frankfurt at gmail.com. Come so, got a match in the books. Uh, finally done with the uh, two matches per week. Got uh, uh, a exi- another exciting Bundesliga match uh, upcoming. But uh, here to discuss Eintracht vs Bielefeld is Chris in Detroit. What's up in the Motor City? Hey Brian, there's snow on the ground, the sun's out, and Frankfurt is winning. So things have never been better in my world. <laughs> well, I mean. I, th- I think there's a few things that could be doing a little better uh, down at the pizza arena, but, you know. <laughs> holy this sad. is the Frankfurt podcast. Don't talk about the other stuff. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, when it does come uh, baseball time, I'm sure you'll get excited about your Tigers and I'll get demoralized about my Royals. We'll just commiserate in the fact that we will not be winning the Central Division this year. It's going to be won by a team probably starting with the letter C. <laughs> just saying uh that's only two teams that could possibly uh be so you know you you guys figure that one out so it's back to the eintracht and uh, the bundesliga action that was at the weekend it was eintracht frankfurt five bielefeld one woof i mean just <laughs> let, i just kind of pause there to let it just sink in but can you say it one more time just for effect. Eintracht Frankfurt 5, Bielefeld 1. God, that was refreshing. I love those revenge matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, considering uh, the way that the match went when we had a couple thousand fans in the stadium for the opening match of the season, yeah, this Rukrunda uh, start is exactly the way that we wanted it uh, to go. But not going to lie, that first half... Uh, if you were neutral, you weren't bored. No, that's for sure. I, it does stick in my crawl a little bit that uh, when you have such a dominating performance that you're unable to keep the clean sheet. It reminds me a little bit of another 5-1 victory that we had last season. Granted, that was at home against a way different sort of opponent, but, you know, what you're going to do. But... Okay, um, let's get to the thing that we were kind of the most worried about, uh, the defense. You know, Indica, Hinteregger, and Tuta, back three, that was fine. I thought that was fine. Now, Hase was doing a lot of cover work, um, uh, playing out from the midfield, but kind of, what, a Libro sort of uh, position? A little old school, you know, uh, going back and forth. I mean... He also, you know, uh, launched one or two long-range shots, which I kept on thinking, yeah, if one of these goes in, you know, the the team is going to freaking erupt. And that's regardless of uh, what the scoreline would be. <laughs> but, you know, so far, uh, this kind of back three, now that we no longer have Abraham, 
it did the job here. And the next uh, question is, can we do it in each of the next upcoming matches? Because each one I look at as a more upgraded version of a test of our our new defensive lineup, and it's just going to get harder with Hertha, then Hoffenheim, and then, you know, a desperate Cologne, and followed up by Bayern. You know, it's going to be a couple of really trying matches um, for the defense to try and get everything together. Now, it's then up to the offense to make sure that they have as little pressure as possible before, you know, a real biggie like Bayern does come to town. But... I was, you know, relatively pleased. Trap was, uh, he was okay. Not exactly one of his best days. Uh, but the attack was uh, a sight to behold. Good grief. Yeah, you know what? It, to your point about the defense, I think the point where we are right now in the schedule, just the way it plays out, is a good time for Tuta to get his feet under him and, you know, put his toes in the water and not be challenged so much that he's overwhelmed. Um not seeing a lot of complex offense that he really doesn't know how to handle. Uh, Freiburg was playing well. We ran into them and did okay against them. He wasn't really tested. The back line had a couple issues. Um, the goal that was scored, I don't know. That was pretty well done by them. I don't think anybody could have stopped that, even you know, Trap being one of the better goalies in the league. But like you said, the offense was just clicking. Um, my point last week we had to score early and score often and find our confidence and then Silva missed that wide open slam dunk right at the 22 minute mark it's like oh great here we go it's going to be another long day but then a couple minutes later um you know the fortuitous bounce off the defender Silva puts it in and then you could just see uh, uh, Bielefeld was deflated the barrage was commencing and every couple minutes from there on out uh, we we seem to have this flash of brilliance, and that Kostic shot from what thirty plus yards out. <laughs> we've seen Boateng do it, Fabian do it, and I think for me this was even better because it went low, it went through traffic, and that's the kind of shot in the kind of moment when you struggled as much as he has for the whole calendar year. That can flip things around, and you saw his confidence building up after that. He Right after he scores that goal, five minutes later, he sets up Silva on that short volley, and all of a sudden we have three goals. So, you know, that that was a big moment for Kostic and a big one for the entire club, I think. Yeah, looking um, something that I'm kind of become more aware of, of uh, with Indica's uh, yellow card that he received in the 39th minute, he is one card away from having a one-match suspension. Yeesh. Yeah. I mean, we're already yes, thin enough on defense as is. I mean, I this is just a matter of time before he's going to have to miss a match, and God forbid someone gets hurt. So, I mean, this is a very thin defense. It doesn't look like someone's coming in, like another body is coming in. So, you know, we're just going to have to uh, tighten our belts, uh, so to speak. But, you know, so long as the offense keeps on clicking, hey, <laughs> nothing but to really be too concerned about. We, we've known this was the plan, that we weren't going to be bringing anyone in on defense. And Bobich and, and Hooter, they have to be seeing something that makes them confident that even if someone's out, whether injury or suspension, that we're going to be okay back there. We probably haven't seen it because we're not privy to the, to the video on the training ground. But 
There's something there they like in this back line, and we have no reason not to trust them right now. I would agree. Um, remember, we can always uh, use Ilsaker and Torre as kind of makeshift uh, central defenders uh, when need to, but I'd really, really, really rather not have to go down that route. But, you know, then it kind of brings to light, you know, why were we loaning out Dominic Core? You know, I understand why DaCosta was loaned out, but Dominic Core getting loaned out, you're just kind of like scratching your head wondering, but, you know, we're only a couple. We were on a good run, and I have reason to keep faith with uh, the team at hand. So, no, absolutely, I'll stand by them. If they say but that you know uh, we're good to go, I will go with it. We we took care of business, and we did it the way we're supposed to do it. That's the way a good club beats a bad club. Um, but we have to remember that we've done this in the past, even against better teams. And it's been followed up with laying a dud. So while I'm excited, I'm thrilled, and I'm kind of pissed off at Kamada for setting up that fifth goal because I had a beautiful 4-1 prediction last week. Of course, you're a guy. You know, you're the governor of Kamada Island. I think you called him up and said, hey, you know, can you screw Chris over? Whatever. But however you did that, I don't know. But uh, did you have th- money this on was it? a good result. <laughs> This is the result that we needed. Everyone's feeling good. We're playing well. And now it's up to them to carry it on to next week and then next week and keep that momentum going. Totally agree. Um, I think we can't really hide the fact of uh, who's scoring the goals. Uh, Andre Silva currently on 14. Um, Now, look, Lewandowski is not going to get caught uh, for goal for the Tor Schuster Canon, but who would have thought that uh, an Eintracht player would be, you know, at least in the running for second place, considering that uh, Erin Haaland is in this league, and you also have, like, the one-man wrecking crews of uh, Kramerich and Veghorst, who literally are the outlet to score goals for each of their individual clubs. It's quite impressive uh, with his uh, 14-goal tally and taking what he did or the course all through the calendar year of uh, 2020. I mean, only, only Lewandowski was scoring as many goals as him during that during that spell. So, I mean, yeah. he's on a great run. I mean, I saw a link, and we posted it to our Facebook page, of uh, West Ham sniffing around him, which I thought was laughable, considering uh, the, how well the last time they bought an track player went. <laughs> yeah, they're black. <laughs> but he's on, he's I don't want to ever do business run. with them again. But I think, look, uh, he you know he was floundering. So he went from Portugal, uh, I think it was at Porto. Uh, he also had Benfica, or yeah, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure Porto. Uh, then he, where he then went to uh, uh, Milan, uh, AC Milan, um, the English-founded club. Uh, <laughs> uh, in case anyone is like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, it's hilarious that uh, one of the most famous Italian clubs is actually English founded. But anyways, you know, there's a there's a lot of backstory to that, which is uh, quite interesting and comical at the same exact time. But um, so he didn't really come off, you know, the loan swap, uh, Silva Ferebic plus, what was it, like 15 million euros that... Uh, 10, 15 million that it seems like uh, Milan stumped up in addition. And then, you know, we made the each of those deals permanent. I mean, 
all, as far as the books are concerned, money was exchanged when it wrote, we knew for a fact that it wasn't. And look, we're providing him a platform to succeed where he's not on under such a microscope that he can't make a mistake without, you know, everyone jumping on him. Like we're very you know, patient with him and that he is now uh, rewarding that patience. Yeah. Part of that is when you're growing up as a young striker in Portugal and you're supposed to be the successor to possibly the greatest player ever in Ronaldo, you're going to have a, a lot of weight on your shoulders that I don't know if anybody is able to carry. And even in club play that you, you hear about it every single match, the youngster from Portugal, the most up and coming player in Europe, all this stuff that, that is just too much for a young guy that just wants to find his groove. Um, and coming to a club like ours, AC is a big profile. Um, was he, where'd you say Benfica or, or Sevilla, yeah. where, wherever he was, it, those are clubs with high, high profiles. And while we're a, a noticeable club, everyone knows who we are. He doesn't have that, that constant media eye on him. Like he would at one of those, one of those places. And he's settled in. He's so comfortable. You see him smiling. He's happy that the the weight is off his shoulders and he's playing well at the same time. So I, I just love Silva. And I think, God, who knows where we would be without him up there. Mm, it's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, look, we're in a good spot with him. Um, I'm really glad that Ache is also uh, coming back to uh, – match fitness because it did look until we got Jovic that we were going to be thin especially once we moved Dost on uh, but hey you know they were already trying to make a move for that and you know I really like what uh, has happened since so let's get to it um, yeah he banged in another goal uh, Jovic is back uh, I won't exactly start calling him the foosball god but um, yeah his return on minutes three goals uh three goals scored by this guy this is ridiculous like you don't just pop up and just pop in three goals and from uh three substitute appearances totaling up 76 minutes and yet he's done that he picked up it's right phenomenal. where he left off it's there there's no we've talked about it on here and everyone talks about it in in podcasts all across the world that players coming back on sentimental value never works out. And it had been discussed with other players in the past, uh, Jesus Vallejo being one of them. We were like, Hey, bring him back. We could use him. It'll work great. Like question marks. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, Jovic comes back and you could not ask for a better introduction. I don't, don't want to get too far ahead because that's the death of of all predictors out there but i don't know where the limit is with this offense when you have a two-headed monster like silva and jovic and then someone like kostic feeding them it doesn't really i'm not going to say it doesn't matter how bad the back line is but to win the matches you score the most goals and Pretty so far, our our average with the two of them in the lineup is pretty damn good. Exactly. I just hope that we can keep it up because this this is fun. 
It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, gosh, looking at the just absurd amount of goals that we scored, hey, we don't see these kind of score lines very often, but like I said, you know, it wasn't just like one player doing good. Silva was good. Eunice was looking dangerous. Kamada uh, showed why I keep faith with him. Costage. Is it safe? Hmm? Is it safe to say that we have a midfield now? Because that was so soft at the beginning of the year. The amount of turnovers. We're still turning the ball over more than I'm comfortable with. But it looks like they're really solidifying their roles. They're more comfortable. And if you're, you know, that the club will go as far as the midfield goes. Mm, I think so has been really good. Um, it helps that you have possibly one of the wisest persons when it comes to a football brain in the Bundesliga and Makoto Asebe that was playing alongside. So, and I think, you know, look, he, he still can do it. And you're just like, how is this man able to continue to just amaze? And to me, it's the midfield walls. We can watch on uh, lyrically about uh, where we're at with that. Hasebe honestly is the. There's a reason why he's wearing the. Why he is the captain, like why he was vice captain under Abraham. He to me is the guy that. Uh, kind of makes this team like tick even at a low level, even if we're getting like real, even if we're up against it and uh, just ha- dealing with issues. Um, he's that kind of sound force that's able to kind of, you know, take someone aside. Look, if Tuta made a mistake that leads to a goal, he's the guy who's going to be going up to him and reassuring him that, hey, it's not a big deal. Uh, we got this. We'll fight back. Keep doing what you're doing. He's the reassuring, uh, you know, uncle that tells you, you know, if you just got a dressing down from a parent, you know, he's the one that you go. He's the one who will lend a hand and be and uh, give you the kind of advice. He is something that every Bundesliga club could use, and yet only we have. But we I do think have to be careful how many miles we put on his legs. Uh, he clocked in as the fastest player on the pitch Saturday, but he's also the oldest too. And I do worry if we wear him out too much here, we still got, you know what, uh, 15 matches left. I don't want to wear him out right now. And I would like to get to the point of comfort where we can take him off um, in the 60th minute and let him rest once in a while. You know, I agree. Uh, I mean, like uh, this weekend's match, you know, didn't play the full 90 there. Uh, him coming off in the 71st, uh, being replaced by Ilsanker, I think was the kind of right person to kind of bring in. But you're right. Um, if we are in, uh, if we have passed the 65th minute and we're in a comfortable winning position like we were at the weekend, we got to take him off just for making sure that we don't burn him out. Because yeah. there are going to be and matches where we need him to be in there the full 90 because he is the best we got. Borrowing that term from the NBA, we have to understand load management. That's how how teams like ours, where you have a roster that's got talent, but not enough to get you by every night, you have to know when it's safe, when you're in a position to to bring Hasebe off. And 
take a little bit of a risk, but understand that you built that three, four goal lead where it's comfortable to pull them off. Indeed. Well, that being said, guys, I think we have uh, talked up enough uh, this match. I would. <sighs> it's fun to talk about when we're winning, and when you win uh, your uh, fifth uh, Bundesliga match in six matches, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of folks who are starting to wonder if we are Champions League quality. Well, you know what? The only way we're going to prove that is by continuing to win. It's a shame we didn't get it against Freiburg, but continuing uh, this winning run that we have at present, and uh, specifically with Hertha and Hoffenheim and Cologne next, I think this is very doable. I think we are in a position where we can uh, keep things uh, going. So, uh, that all being said, let's get to our favorite segment of hashtag what are we drinking? Uh, Chris, I know you always have something for us here. So, I'm off whiskey at the moment. I'll get back to it, but I haven't been able to restock recently. But things are going well for for the Eintracht while I'm on beer right now. So as a person of superstition, that's what I'm going to keep going with. I am drinking M43. M43 from Old Nation Brewing, Williamston, Michigan, right here in the heart of the mitten. Uh, it's a New England-style IPA. There's so many juicy IPAs on the market right now. It's kind of saturated. But... From my money and uh, from other beer connoisseurs who I associate with, they call M43 Michigan's best beer. So it's worth this checking out if you're in the Midwest. They're in Williamston, right outside Lansing. Alrighty, very good. Uh, is that like in between? Is that like uh, on the road between the two, or is that like closer to Flint? No, it, say uh, off I-96 between Lansing and Detroit. There you go. There you go. Alrighty. Um, I guess I'm kind of being the boring one. I have, well, it's the last one I got. Um, I have my favorite beer from uh, Kansas City Beer Company here in Kansas City, Missouri. And the Winterbach, their winter warmer. I mean, I've had it mentioned it before on this segment. It's to me the best winter warmer that is out there that anyone can get on the market. I just wish that we had further distribution beyond the states of Missouri and Kansas at present time. But you know, with the way COVID has been, uh, you, I, I have been of the mindset that, uh, and believe that most of your liquor stores, once they kind of burn through the kind of the national, unless they're a national brand, most of the regional stuff is not really kind of getting anything more than like their local area due to just the way that distribution is going. So for example, um, couple of the breweries that I like out of California I've uh, for their uh, Christmas uh, holiday season uh, beers really once uh, they sold in November, like late October early November uh, most of my liquor stores uh, around me said yeah we're just, we just can't get them this distribution is just so bad right now so I'm sticking with the local I wish that more people could have it. But uh, so long as it all is on tap in the beer hall, you can always come down, let me know, and I'll join you, and uh, we'll pr- all, uh, drink to the Eintracht's future successes. So that's wrapping up. Hey, uh, uh, the 
uh, hashtag what are we drinking. So we're going to be back in just a jiffy and look at uh, what else is going on with the Eintracht, including our upcoming match and, of course, your listener questions. So stay with. And we're back, Brian and Chris, talking everything that is to know about Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, so, it, I wanted to kind of go over what has been going on in the Bundesliga. So, uh, the current table is going to make you want to puke uh, once you look at 1 and 2, because of the points difference. Uh, <laughs> just saying, Chris, at 7 points, uh, clear, because Bayern won at the weekend, Leipzig lost to Mainz. I don't even, I don't understand how that even came about. Um, Leverkusen lost to Wolfsburg, so now Wolfsburg's in the top four because Gladbach beat Dortmund, and comprehensively on Friday. That was a very entertaining match. Um, and suddenly now we're ahead of Dortmund, which is kind of crazy. And I... Look, unless Bayern starts just losing their shit. I don't see how this title is rested away from Bayern and they're going to win. What is this going to be eight in a row? I've lost track at this point. I'm running out of fingers. <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous. But at this point I'm like, you can't keep up with it. Was them. Only a, yeah, it was only a couple weeks ago that it was a, a three team race to the top. And now we're just, you know, after the English week in there, it's only been a couple weeks and it looks like a runaway again, but there's still a lot to play for. Um, You have five clubs within five points of number two. So there's a lot going on as far as Champions League positioning too. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, Looking at uh, also the dogfight, I would say for at this point with Bremen in 13th place on 21 points, and Hertha, our upcoming um, opponent for this weekend, on 17 points, tied with uh, Bielefeld. Just goal difference separating them. Um, yeah, I think this is really becoming a five-team race to avoid relegation. And Hertha has made changes. We'll kind of get into that a little bit more. Uh, we, we've seen what Bielefeld could do. Look, they're just very sturdy as a defensive uh, unit. But, you know, like, sure, they had a nice goal at the weekend, but when they score more than one goal, they win. Every single match that they have scored more than one goal, they have won. And I am not thinking that anything's going to change in that. Um, as for the other teams, you know, look, we're playing Cologne in a couple match days time. They haven't been looking very good. They did get a win over Schalke, so I think that's going to, I think that buries Schalke, who are on a whopping seven points from 18 played. I mean. But hold on. Hold on. In fairness, the people listening to this podcast could go out there and beat Schalke on any given day. Yeah. They they could. They could. Um, so Eintracht players are now on <laughs> loan at good old Mainz. And Mainz got a win at the weekend, so they're on 10 points. But 
It's going to be... I hit so... Mines and Shalka. I just don't see how either of them... Well, I mean, I guess Mines could land in 16th, but I don't think that they can get much higher than that, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, we're, we're running out of time. Every, every single match day is one less day. If somebody doesn't pull off a run of defeats, it, we've talked about it before when we were in our relegation battle <laughs> earlier this year. Um, beating the clubs below you is how you go up. Now, in the case of Schalke and Mines, they got to beat the Colognes, Bielefelds, Berlins. But I don't know. That's a lot of space to make up in a very short amount of time. Exactly. Because, you know, the two teams who are out of the relegation, uh, bottom three, you know, that is a 10-point difference between themselves and uh, Schalke. And not going to lie, that is a that is a gap. That is a proper gap, and I don't, like, look, okay, so they lost to Bayern at the weekend. They really have their work cut out for them, because I think in their next few matches, they play both Dortmund and uh, Leipzig. Like, in the meantime, is they're, and they're so screwed. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck not having a Schalke, especially when fans are able to come back. Because well, they bring the noise. I will totally Ed, admit that when it does come to Bundesliga clubs, they are one that you can properly respect because they really, because they have a great fan base. But as they're trying to fight their way up, you know, it, we've been in that 15, 16, 17 hole in the past. We know as good as anybody, the goal is not to pull yourself up to 14, 15 for safety. You want to get to 16. And if you can just get to the playoff safely and play well against uh, Holstein Kiel or whoever ends up, I don't know, they're, they're going to win the whole second, but whoever ends up in that three hole, you know, you don't have to get to safety. You have to get to the relegation playoff. And we've played our way out of there in the past. I wouldn't put it past Mines or Schalke, but certainly they have a lot of work to do just to get to that 16 spot. I mean, maybe Schalke can beat a Kiel. Maybe Mines can beat a Kiel. But if it's Schalke versus Bochum, I think the streets will burn. Because <laughs> you got to realize watch, Bochum though. is look. Bochum is a classic Bundesliga club, but they have been down Absolute. in the shit for like a full decade plus. I mean, if you want to think of a player, it's like okay, so who's been there of of note? You know, in the last couple of years, um, have you heard of Goretzka? Yeah, he was playing at like age 16 for Bochum and really tearing it up. And, you know, Schalke immediately saw that and was like, we'll have some of that. And I think they paid a pretty uh, pretty penny uh, to be able to acquire him. So, But anyways, <laughs> he went on to play for Bayern for free because those guys are stupid. And, you know, you wonder why Schalke is in financial trouble. When you let your best guys go for free, how smart is that? Anyways, well, they'll get plenty of money as Weston McKinney will make his move uh, from Chaka to Juventus made per permanent. And damn it, he's so good. Uh, but what good is money if you're going to be relegated to? Doesn't yeah, do you a lot of good. Yeah, they need to clear their decks and bringing back guy, you know, the guys from bringing the band back together with, you know, Klasnich. And uh, Huntelar as best of luck, boys. 
Uh, as for Mainz, you know, okay, they got the win at the weekend. They play Stuttgart on Friday. Look, if they get a result against Stuttgart, I'll believe that maybe they got a chance at surviving, but Stuttgart is really Let good. They're really exciting to watch. And uh, outside of their political woes that are going on, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of infighting going on over there. Um, they're a fun club to watch. So we'll see what happens with Mainz. I just think Chuck is gone. Does anyone care if they go down? Um, I'd like to Hit me up on down. Twitter. I'd love if, it. If, if, in you, if you want to see mine survive, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to fight it out with you. Look, we've been wanting them to get relegated for a long time. And you know what? If V-Spotting goes up in the third division, hey, that is a Hessian club, technically speaking, uh, who is just really just across the river from mines. And I'm sure that would be one hell of a pair of matches for those fight to Bundesliga. Just saying, from a fan perspective, because uh, uh, they've already the CEO of the Bundesliga has already come out and said, "Hey, we're not going to have fans in by the end of uh, this 2020-2021 season." So we'll just have to look forward to 2021-2022. I'm not a medical expert; I can't go into these kind of details, but it's uh, God, I want the fans back and it's because it still feels alien to me playing in these empty massive stadiums where the players echo is heard around the pitch i enjoy hearing some of the commentary from the the players and the coaches on the sidelines i like that as an insight to the game we never heard before Mm -hmm. but god do i miss the noise of the fans not even not even just ours just any fans making noise and and impacting the game i miss that that home pitch advantage, and there's none of that right now. Yeah, but, you know, things being what they are, uh, kind of have to uh, stick to home, watching on uh, big and small screens, so we'll make Get vaccinated, it. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to highlight a match that I think this is going to be really exciting for a touch spiel. Um, it's, uh, it was uh, El Plastico of El Plasticos. Um <laughs> Leipzig and Leverkusen. Uh, not gonna lie, if like Bayern happens to um, who are they playing? Uh, they're playing Hoffenheim. <laughs> if Bayern beats Hoffenheim and this ends up being a draw, I can you can then wrap the title up. But at least you know this will provide us with some real. This is gonna provide us with some really great firepower in terms of a lineup. And I and with each team, you know. Oh, le- I guess it's coming up in like a month's time, you know, with the Europa League knockout phase and right around the corner will be the Champions League knockout phase. Each team, you know, is looking to get themselves squared away to make great runs into Europe again. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a good one outside of our own, of course. Um, so we mentioned uh, Hertha has uh, changed coaches, Labadia. And uh, the sporting director has also been axed. Now, that sporting director had been there for a full decade. Uh, they have brought back Paul Dardai. Uh, he's a pretty uh, no-nonsense Kovac-ish sort of coach who's going to do the let's get back to basics and de- uh, defend first. So that's something that the Eintracht will have to worry about. Um, there is a link out there that uh, Freddie Bowich would be joining... Uh, as a sporting director role at Hertha Bay SA. So, I put this to you, Chris. 
Um, give me a reason why this is just not going to happen at all. Uh, I, I, I've read the links, and I understand the connection that's being made, but I think Freddie Bobich has made it very clear his goal is to get Frankfurt into the Champions League. And if his goal as a sporting director is to get somebody to that to that league that is the pinnacle for all mid-table clubs like ourselves or Hertha is, um, he's closer to it with where we are right now, which is why if that's his ultimate goal, I don't think he's leaving. If he did, I would thank him because he's done a tremendously good job given what he inherited. Um, but I think he's closer right now. And I don't think as a competitor, whether it's a player, a coach, or an executive, you don't you don't leave when you're on the precipice of something like that. Okay. I can agree with that. Um, I will put uh, the argument that what Berlin has is money for him to do anything and everything that he wants. Now, I think a reason why he would stay with us is because the last time he had that sort of freedom was Stuttgart, and that exploded in his face. And, Absolutely. Uh, and we were so anxious at first when we brought him in. Like, you know, a lot of people said, hey, he failed at Stuttgart. What's the likelihood that he's going to succeed with us when he didn't succeed at a club that at the time, had more resources available to them uh, to make that sort of a jump. Um, now, I would say, you know, it would entertain him, but I think at the end of the day, you're right, he will want to see our uh, project through. And, you know, you know if so, at, look, if at the end, if we qualify for the Champions League and they're still knocking on the door, I think maybe he'll listen. But the thing is, Hertha Berlin's in such a mess because you had, and this was mentioned on uh, the uh, English language Bundesliga podcast called Talking Football that I've uh, made an appearance on before. Uh, Matt Herman made mention of the fact that in using an Eintracht analogy, who doesn't remember Bruchhagen? You know what? All he ever talked about was being frugal, but the thing was, we still got relegated twice under his uh, time and power. And we we were always, you know, playing with small chips, considering the fact that we were a bigger club. And, uh, hey, the very moment that we put in a Bovich, hey, guess what? Uh, we made two Pokal finals in a row. We made the semifinals of the Europa League participating in the in the knockout rounds for two consecutive seasons. Once we had someone different in charge. Whilst we did make it yeah. the one time with him. But that was when, like, we shot up through the Bundesliga after returning from relegation. I mean, so and, we're, that's we're what, and that's what Hertha just got rid of. We're kind of beating the dead horse here, but you brought up a point a minute ago that that at the time that Bobich came in here, we weren't exactly spenders. We weren't exactly movers and shakers in Germany, let alone Europe. Um, but once we loosened those purse strings a little bit, we said, let's bring in some talent, whether it's proven or unproven, let's take some chances. And it paid off for us financially. It paid off for us wins and losses, you know, perspective. Um, if, if 
if they interview him and he goes into Berlin and says, hey, guys, give me the resources I need to be successful. You saw what I did with limited resources. Certainly, that would be the good move for him. But you have to question whether they're willing to make that move for him or not. I don't know if they are. There's a lot of, I mean, they still have to survive right now. They're not entirely clear of a relegation battle. So whether they would be willing, he'd be willing to make that move and fight for safety, let alone, I'm not going to anoint us and say we're going to the Champions League, but he's in a better position for that with us right now, which is why I do think we're safe. Agreed on that. So uh, let's continue with uh, Eintracht versus Hertha discussion, shall we? Uh, Maid mentioned that Indica is sitting uh, one yellow card away from uh, accumulating a one-match ban, so uh, the likelihood that he's going to be targeted by Hertha's guys is not going to be outside the realms of possibility. So let's look at some of the things that we know about Hertha. They do have talent, but it's more of a scattergun, it's more of a shotgun kind of approach hope that uh, things go well. So let's scrap what Labadia was trying to do and look at what, you know, they are going to be capable of doing. So that's looking at uh, Hertha from a defensive standpoint because Paladai was not, during his time as a Hertha coach most recently, was more of a guy who, hey, we kept ourselves in that mid-table and he had the respect of his players. Now, Matias Cunha is a really good uh, player, and I think their best attacking outlet. Um, he's also got the most amount of goals, and it seemed to at least win under Dardai uh, that if he was playing good, then things were good. If he was pissing off the coach, well, guess what? You know, uh, things didn't go so well. Um, there's other players that kind of we need to be very cognizant of uh, uh, from a defensive standpoint. And um, Derek Boyata is a really good uh, defender that they have, along with Nicholas Stock. Um, that sort of defensive pairing has been pretty built into uh, this team, and uh, those guys are going to hold in. And I know for a fact that Nicholas Stock is going to be in the starting line because he was a guy who uh, came through the team under Dardai. Um, he's a academy kid, if uh, memory serves correctly. And he's going to be kind of leading that defense against the Eintracht because, well, that's what they're going to play. They're going to play defensively, and I think that's going to plant our hands a little bit. I think we're going to be able to utilize the gameplay that we used for Bielefeld to success against Hertha, and I think that we are going to come away with a win, and here's why that is, because the way that Dardai like I said, the way that Dardai sets up his team is defense first. Guess what? We already faced that with Bielefeld. Now we're going to be facing that with better players, but we can do the same exact thing against Hertha. Uh, maybe not score as many goals, but I still think that uh, we can definitely take them on because we're going to have uh, Barcock will be back on the team. The question is, do you have uh, Eunice and Barcock behind Silva, or do you leave uh, uh, Eunice and Kamada behind Silva? Your thoughts, Chris? Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I've wanted to see Barcock all year. I, I've made it mentioned here many times. I think he's a very important part of the future here. 
but what's not broke shouldn't attempted to be fixed at this point. Um, I would roll pretty much exactly what we did last week this Saturday because it worked once against a very defensive-minded club. Like you said, we're going up against more talent, but why change what's been working? So, you know, you can roll out what you had last week, and if things don't work well, well, hey, you got Barcock off the bench to try and create a spark. But I'm not going to change anything right now. I'd be a little hesitant to make any moves that change up something that was so efficient last week. Okay, here's another query I'll put to you. Uh, Shrushik looked good when he did get going. Um, Do we see see him in the starting lineup? Or No, I think that's kind of a stretch. But a real thought is... Is Rhoda gonna get his starting spot back, or do we ha- or does we play Hase- stick with Haseba in the middle? Yeah, that's a position battle I never kind of expected to develop. Um, but at this point in time, with where we are defensively, with the question marks we have that we talked endlessly about earlier in this episode and in the last month, I don't want Hasebe's position ever being in question at this point. We need him defensively. Mm-hmm. I think if he's not playing defensive midfield, you have him in one of the center back roles. End of story. Yes. Well, I got that one just right on the nose. Um, do you want Tory in place of Dorm? Um, uh, you know what? I'm on the Dorm yeah. hate committee, so you know I'm cheering up that. I, I'm cheering that up. I know. Well, that's where you and I, you know, we trade off that with my not residing on Kamada Island like you are. So it, we, we have that back and forth. <laughs> but it, it, the Durham Torre situation, I think you just go with who's hotter at the moment. Durham wasn't bad last week. He should have had an assist. Silva really screwed that up early in the match. Um, I'm okay with either one. I'm not totally comfortable in the long term with either one. But at this point, whether it's Durham or Torre, I'm not totally against one or the other. All right. Well, that being said, uh, for me, I feel comfortable in making my predictions for this match. But uh, ways to watch the match in the Caribbean, as per always, is the Flow Sports app and flowsports.co. And you can also watch it in Australia. Yes, Mark, I'm thinking about you down in the land of Oz. Uh, Being Sports Connect and KO Sports in Austria and in Germany. That is Sky Sports Bundesliga. There, where you can watch it there uh, in Canada, our friends in the north. And yes, I'm thinking of both of you and thinking of two guys in particular who like to interact with the podcast. So, salute to the Canadian Adler uh, on that one. It is Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet World Now that will have that broadcast. Um, in addition to that, you're also going to have it on ESPN Plus here in the United States. So exciting times to watch the Eintracht. And I'm going out with a 2-0 prediction. Yes, I said nil. I think the Eintracht will uh, take advantage of the fact that Paul Dardai won't really come out of his defensive shell very much. And that will play right into our hands. End of story. <laughs> you know we don't do clean sheets, ever. Ever. You know what? 
the Elephones was really good, but the thing is, that is a complete team that is able to function as a team, and they're able to get goals when you would think, wow, how the hell did they score against so-and-so's team? Well, it's because they're an actual good, cohesive squad that is there, that despite the fact that they don't really pick up many points overall, they're still a team that you never want to underestimate, because then you're going to be Stuttgart getting pounced on with a three to nil uh, scoreline. I kind of dig that one up. But uh, <laughs> they can, for, you know, Bielefeld was not something to be underestimated. We took them seriously and we kicked their ass. So sure. why not do it only one up it because Hertha is a really broken squad. Yeah, well, I'll say this. Uh, I'm a little nervous about the timing of this matchup. Um, Dardai is is close as you're going to get to a club legend to take over. And because um, another one is unavailable, lately, you mean? Because <laughs> he is coaching in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but with the form, with the form we've shown, I'm confident we'll control our own, you know, position and our long-term um, viability as far as fighting for the Champions League. But our midfield is stronger in the last month with the emergence of So and Jonas becoming more comfortable and more of a threat offensively still some concerns about the defensive side uh but going back a month uh we only allowed more than one goal once in league play and that was on the road against a hot freiburg team so i'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's not a point of concern but it's not a point of panic right now either so i'm gonna say we come out uh three to one it's gonna be close it's gonna be a nail biter but i think we get an insurance goal a third goal late when it hurts us trying to press and tie it up so I'm going to go with three to one. Ooh, interesting indeed. All right, that's our predictions for this match, Eintracht versus Hertha. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast, episode 158. Share us with uh, your fellow Eintracht friends if you haven't already done so. Uh, this is a show uh, built for fans by fans. You know, I started out just uh, recording by myself in uh, my spare room that was super echoey with a microphone that was kind of dying on me. And now we've got a panel of guys who just love talking about all things Eintracht Frankfurt. But before we go, uh, Chris, I think we had some listener questions. Yeah. Um, So I got hit up on Twitter. Someone said, are we concerned about Hooter jumping ship by the end of this year or, or over the summer? What do you think? Um, if they're thinking of Dortmund, Dortmund has two guys that they're thinking of before they even start considering Hooter. Um, a year ago, uh, they were. He was a little bit higher on their radar. But uh, Marco Rosa, I don't think he's going to leave Gladbach, but I think Jesse Marsh, where, is he, where else? who else is going to be tapping him up? I don't see anyone else you know, getting too excited over him except for Dortmund. And, you know, it's like, okay, so Hertha now has a coach. The likelihood is they'll want to stick with him for at least one more season. And what are they? They're then going to want to go after, you know, he's not, look, Thomas Tuchel is not going to stay at Chelsea very long. It's going to explode in his face. And the likelihood is they'll want to land somewhere more convincing so that he can put his stamp on things. And I think 
Hertha will end up signing Tuchel in the long term. And I think Hutter will be comfortable with staying with us and uh, seeing what he can do with a European uh, side for 2021-2022. Because I think we're going to finish in the top six. And as for that seventh spot uh, from the Pokal, God only knows who's going to be in that. So, look, if we get... If we're in the Europe League, I think we'll do good. If we're in the uh, the UEFA Conference League, we'd probably win the whole flipping thing. Uh, after Champions League, uh, ask me when it comes a little closer to time. <laughs> all I heard was European Knights in Frankfurt. That's all I care about at this point. <laughs> European Knights at Frankfurt the very moment the fans can come back. That's what's up. Because oh, it's going to be a bumping atmosphere. It'll be loud. The choreography is probably going to be out of this world amazing, too. I mean, we're usually incredible. Uh, I mean, like, there are a few the teams brakes. who can even pump, do it pump, as good as us. And I literally can only think of offhand um, the Boca Juniors fans. And that's in our hemisphere. <laughs> pump the brakes. We got a long ways to go before we can talk about Europe. Yeah, but you know what? I was talking about Europe, uh, us still being in contention for qualifying, and hey, look where we're at. We're in a good run right yeah. now, and we have a possibility of extending that run. So, Yeah, I don't Off-case. disagree with you. I don't think Hooter's on his way out the door anytime soon. Um, he had a, a great resume before he moved to Frankfurt, and you know anybody would have picked him up because of, of his proficiency as a winner. Um, but there were a lot of questions. It was not four months ago that we, you and I both and others on this podcast were questioning whether he was the answer. So I don't know if his star is shining as bright outside of Frankfurt as it is inside right now. Um, we're happy because things are going well, but it wasn't that long ago where we were not convinced he was the answer either. Yeah, though, as you mentioned, uh, Hutter come away as a winner. In case you're wondering where his previous club is doing, they've only won the title uh, each year since he's been gone and are currently running away with it uh, yet again. So he basically built that team into a consistent winner and finally broke through to give them the first title in like 20-something years, and they've been kicking ass and taking names ever since, so... Maybe maybe we have got together finally the spark that we always needed and uh maybe we got maybe maybe we can uh push on finally. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh Chris, what else do the folks want to hear? All right. Um from our Discord channel, the question is um if the line is set at 10 points over the next six matches, are you taking the over or the under? Uh, Looking ahead at the next six. I'm taking the under because I think that um, with with our next four matches being Hertha, Hoffenheim, Cologne, and Bayern, there are will drop points to someone that's not called Bayern, and we might not get the full points against Bayern, so... That's fair. Um, I'll put it this way, short and sweet. If we don't take all three from Hertha, Hoffenheim, uh, Cologne, and Werder Bremen, I'll drink myself into a coma and I won't be here for the next report. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
We it, it honestly more than ten and six to me that should be the bare minimum at the at the least the bare minimum. Um, if we want to be in not just Europe, but if if we think Champions League is an attainable goal, which I think anyone watching us the last month can agree it is, we have to start taking three points with regularity, not just oh look we played well for a day and then we shit the bed against Cologne. That cannot happen. Yeah. Uh, you're not wrong there. Not wrong there. Alrighty. Is that it? That's all I got. Alrighty. I'd like to thank Chris for joining us on the podcast here. Chris, where can we find you on the social media? I am on Twitter at CNTheD313, talking all things Frankfurt, German football. I've been live tweeting the Friday matches. That's been fun. Um, love college hockey, too. If you're in Wisconsin, Minnesota, New York, Michigan, you love college hockey, hit me up on Twitter. But that's a thing for later. Uh, and our Discord channel, the same name, seeing the D313. There we go. And you can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow us on Twitter, uh, the show that is at HEFPod. You can find me, of course, watching the Eintracht and the rest of the Bundesliga matches at uh, the home of the Bundesliga in Kansas City. Uh, that is. Kansas City Beer Company, B I E R. And uh, yeah, you'll just have to come with a mask and uh, be ready to social distance. But yeah, you'll be able to watch all the matches that, uh, to your heart's content. Um, you can also get in contact with the show that is at heyeintrachtfrankfurt at gmail.com, facebook.com slash pod for all the latest Eintracht Frankfurt news and information in the English language can be found all in one spot. So thanks for joining us for this episode. 158 uh the podcast and uh stay safe uh cheer on the eagles and uh cheers hey,